we need to give ourselves permission to cry, give ourselves permission to take a time out and, and not feel guilt or like we shouldn't be giving ourselves that space. Hey, hurdlers, Emily Abadi here bringing you another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle. For this week's episode, I am chatting with Akia Red about overcoming fear and confronting pain. Akia is a mental health activist, and she, in today's episode, shares her own story about being diagnosed with depression and generalized anxiety disorder in 2016. In today's episode, she tells me all about her struggle, about what she learned from her diagnosis, and the tools and tricks she used to cope with anxiety, depression, and stress. Before we get into today's episode, I do want to wish you a happy, happy Thanksgiving from me and mine to you and yours. I know that things are a bit different this year, but there is plenty for us to be grateful for, plenty for us to be thankful for. And please, however you are celebrating this week, stay safe, be careful, and stay kind. As always, reach out to me over on social media, tag the show as you are listening at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Abadi. And if you have a hurdle moment of your own to share, or you just want to say hi, feel free to reach out to me over email. It's emily at hurdle.us. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Akia Red. She is a mental health activist and an author. How are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you? And thank you for having me. Of course. I'm I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's a sunny day out. I think we're all making this transition into the cooler months, but nothing a few layers and a, a nice cup of coffee can't fix, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, so I'm in the Midwest here in Ohio. And the last few weeks, we were blessed with such beautiful colors of leaves turning. And now because of all of the wind on Sunday, we see a lot of empty trees. A lot of empty trees, all the all the winds blowing the leaves away. Yeah. So they're now um, in piles. So which is fun, you know, if you like to go jump in the leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so today, what we're chatting about We are chatting about overcoming fear and confronting pain. I mean, there are so many things that happen in our day-to-day that make us scared, right? And these things, they feel, uh, or they can make everyday tasks feel like Everest. So I'd love before we hop into this topic, before we dive right in, for you to give me a little bit of uh, info, tell the hurdlers about your background and how you got into uh, talking on these topics. Well, wow. That Let's see. Let's try to condense that. Um, I actually four years ago was diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety and depression also an eating disorder um, after a, an emotional breakdown, um, had gone through a lot of stuff in my past, you know, my childhood, I'm a daughter of a preacher. Um, so there's just been a lot of things that had happened in my childhood and I had kind of suppressed all of it. And I often like to say that if you don't deal with life, life finds a way of dealing with you. And that was what happened to me four years ago is I had suppressed the pain 
I did not deal with it. I did not confront it head on. And it came to a head, if you will. And therefore, you know, it struck me really hard. And um, I had to go seek treatment because I could no longer function. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) talk to me about what that treatment looked like for you. So initially, um, you know, I went to therapy and, and it's really, this is really crazy because I was in therapy several years before I actually had any of this like anxiety stuff, um, officially diagnosed. I was in therapy because I wanted to be a better mom, better wife. You know, I knew I had some childhood stuff. So I was like, you know, just self-improvement. And my therapist would always, you know, insinuate that I had some kind of underlying anxiety. And I was just like, ah, whatever, you know, didn't pay attention to it. So when it all hit me and I had that breakdown, I not only um, would go to therapy, what, every other week or, you know, once a month, whatever, for check-ins, I was going every single week consistently. And on top of that, I was also taking medication because it had gotten so far out of control that I was just not able to manage it without the help of medicine any longer. Right. And I think something that's interesting and I'm something sure I'm sure something that you dealt with as well was just this feeling or shame that we bring on upon ourselves that we're feeling anxious as if we are not strong enough to like combat this feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, that was one of the reasons why it took me three days to decide whether or not I actually wanted to take the prescription. One, I didn't think that I would actually feel better. Um, and I didn't think it was, you know, going to help me. But then I think there was another part of me that I was just like, well, this means that I am admitting that I can't handle this. And I don't want to have to take a pill or rely on a medication, you know, to be able to function every day. Like, And I think, to be really honest, I am a Black woman. And so being taught as a Black woman, and even as just a woman in general, that you have to be strong. You have to put on a brave face. You don't want to show weakness. It was specifically strong in in my culture and where I grew up in my community. For sure. So then talk to me. Talk to me about... um, when you kind of started to see the light at the the end of the tunnel, so to speak, after after seeking out the treatment and the help that you really needed? So it took about, physically speaking, for like the, the panic attacks and the shaking and all of that to stop. It took about a good four to six weeks for the medicine to work. I will say, you know, as with anything, when you're adjusting to new things that you're putting in your body, it takes a while. So things did get a little bit weird the first couple of weeks, but, um, the physical stuff was the first thing that I noticed to, to leave. And then I think, um, as I moved forward, uh, with the medication and consistent therapy, I started to notice that my brain activity, as far as like how much I would actually put energy into negative thoughts or overthinking started to dissipate a little bit. And so when I was in therapy, I could actually focus on the things that, you know, I needed to focus on at that time and not, you know, so much of like, right now, I've got to focus on this right now because, you know, whatever my mind was telling me at the time, it helped me to go back and reflect on some of the things as a child and really deal with that stuff. So that was when I really started to see a greater perspective, if you will, and um, a better path to recovery. 
I had a guest not that long ago on the on the show. Her name is Kara Lowenthal, and she's a life coach and a podcaster. And she said something that I thought was really interesting, which is really applicable uh, now bringing this full circle to how you're in the position to to talk on this and to offer up some really great tips is that unless you've been through it, if you hadn't gone through this, if you hadn't had these struggles, then how would you have had otherwise the opportunity to learn these lessons to then bestow these takeaways and the wisdom upon others? And I just thought that was so valuable and and really relevant to to what we're about to get into. Yeah, no, uh, you know what? Absolutely. Because um, yesterday I actually talked about this very thing is that I've had to learn. um, And I think one of the most important things I've learned through this journey is to show gratitude for the things that I have experienced and the things that I have been through. Because to your point and to your previous guest point, I would not be where I am advocating and writing about these very topics if I would not, you know, have gone through what I went through and experienced it and even had the courage to get the help and be completely um, open about the help as well. So it it definitely is something that um, was worthwhile. It didn't feel like it at the time and it rarely does, but you can look back and say, wow, I'm glad I went through that. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you all about my sponsor at Gooder. Gooder makes the best active sunglasses. They are no slip, no bounce, and all polarized. They look awesome and they are perfect for literally everything from sprinting around a track to tackling a long bike ride, going for a long run, you name it. I love how they're fashionable, but also functional. And they're also ridiculously well-priced starting at just $25. It doesn't get better than this. Well, okay, it actually does get a little better than this because Gooder is offering Hurdle listeners an amazing deal, $10 off using the code Hurdle at checkout. Head on over to Gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Hurdle and use the code Hurdle at checkout for $10 off. Again, that's Gooder.com slash Hurdle. Use Hurdle at checkout for $10 off today. talking now about (laughs) overcoming fear and confronting pain. So where does one even begin? I would say that a person has to really get super honest with themselves, right? I mean, I think that that's where it started for me. Even when I first started going to therapy before, you know, the breakdown even happened, I think I had to get really honest with myself and say, hey, I need help. I need to go to therapy because you know, there's some things in my life that are just not working right. And admitting that you don't have it all together and that, you know, you need some help and you can't do it by yourself is the first step. I think being aware is a huge, huge first step. And then once you become aware or acknowledge it, then awareness, and then you actually begin to act on those, that self-awareness. And I think a lot of the time, you know, we may recognize that we're scared or that we're dealing with something, but it could be kind of a reflex to 
make a joke about it or be sarcastic (laughs) about it. And by doing that, we're deflecting and not fully admitting what's actually going on. So it's not just like saying it, but it's like being honest and open to the fact that it's not something to joke about. Right. Yeah. I think that that's one of the most frustrating things in the line of work that I do um, is really what people fail to realize is that when you make jokes about mental health topics and sensitive issues like that, it stigmatizes it even more. So over the last several years, we've heard, you know, the word bipolar come up and like, oh my gosh, I feel so bipolar. Oh my God. You know, like it's just a common thing to say. And a lot of times we throw out that diagnosis to people just for somebody who has a change in mood. Now, granted, there may be some truth to it. (laughs) And there may be some people that act like that, that are not necessarily that, but it's just further, it's like putting more stigma on top of this whole mental health crisis that we have going on in our country right now. And so joking is not appropriate you know, dealing with it and saying, yes, I do have this issue. Yes, I do need to go get help. It's okay that I'm feeling this way and acknowledging it, I think is is the best way to handle it. Once someone acknowledges that this is going on, then what's the next step? Once you acknowledge, I think that that opens up the door for you to become self-aware, right? So you actually start doing some digging. One of the things that I did was not only did you know, I go to therapy to help me deal with other people, but I also went to therapy to learn about myself. It was a way for me to um, start my self-discovery journey and figure out exactly who Akia is. Not who everybody else wanted me to be, but who Akia is. And so that is huge because the, the more you have clear understanding of your identity for who you are as a person, your awareness, your self-awareness goes to a whole different level. And once you have a clear cut understanding of who you are and you're self-aware, then everything else follows suit. So then you start putting those things into action. So that's what it's about. It's about acknowledgement. It's about awareness and then action. I still think though that, I mean, in the process of taking action, in the process of confronting pain, it can still be super intimidating and really scary. So how do you, you know, get over that hurdle of ponying up and confronting what's really going on? Oh my gosh. So, you know, I give this analogy a lot and I talk about how we all are familiar probably with the, the story of Tarzan and how in order for the vine, the next vine to appear, he had to jump off of the one he was on. And so that's kind of how I look at my life. Like there, I was on a completely different path before any of this happened to me. And I had a choice. Am I going to just take this diagnosis and am I just going to go quietly into the sunset and just fold? Or am I going to actually be scared to death, but do it anyway. And that's what we have to do. Like there is no, you know, we can't necessarily just dip our little toe in. We kind of just got to go for it. And then once we go for it, I believe that all the other stuff comes to fruition. It's not easy. 
it is definitely not easy. It was one of the hardest things that I had ever done in my life to start talking about on a blog, all of the stuff that I had gone through, all of the stuff that I was facing and the discoveries that I was making about my myself as a person. And some of them weren't great. It was hard, but it's, it's a, it's a part of moving forward. You've got to go backward and it may be a struggle. And that's a part of the process. Definitely. And so when it came to your personal journey and confronting pain, did you use any specific tools, whether that would be journaling? I know you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned therapy, uh, but any other tools that were in your personal toolbox to help you in this process? Yeah, absolutely. So I colored when I felt really anxious. Like for me, for example, I shaked, I would shake a lot. And so coloring was the only thing that I could actually like hyper-focus on that would stop the tremors, um, especially early on in my recovery. So that was something that I did. Um, Journaling, absolutely. But I journaled in a different way. Like whenever I felt overwhelmed by a to-do list or things that I wanted to accomplish in the month or the year, in my head, because of the anxiety disorder, it would just, those thoughts would go like a hamster wheel and it would lead me down all kind of rabbit holes. And so what I decided to do was just start taking out my journal and just writing them down. And I realized that what seemed to be a, like a lot in my head was only about four things on paper. It was the rabbit holes that I was going down that actually made the four things seem like 24 things. I think that's such a beautiful designation. I mean, how often do we just feel like the entire world is just closing in on us and overwhelmed and like we can't even articulate what's wrong when we don't even take the time to sit down and try? We've talked about the strategy of journaling. We've talked about therapy. What else, if anything, would you offer up to someone who is just really going through it in terms of pain right now? These last two things I'm going to say are going to sound really, really... uh like common sense and maybe even silly, but the first one would be cry it out. And there is such a thing that when you cry, it releases toxins from your body, no lie. And it resets your brain. The other thing I would say would be take a nap. You know how people say when they've had a rough day, you know what? I'm just going to go home and sleep on it. Definitely. That's why. Because sleep also like crying resets your brain. And so I know that I have gone to bed sometimes frustrated, irritated, disappointed. Like I will tell you last Thursday was that day for me. I had a very stressful week last week. I was um, feeling like I was being pushed to the brink and I had a lot of anxiety. So I just said, you know, it's time for me to take a time out. And I got in, I took a shower, I got in the bed early and I slept. And when I woke up the next morning, everything looked a whole lot clearer. And so I think that we need to give ourselves permission to cry, give ourselves permission to take a time out and and not feel guilt or like we shouldn't be giving ourselves that space. 
Definitely. And I think that, I mean, the sleep on it, the taking a step back, like sometimes it's just so easy to be so reactive in the moment. So to, to fall back and give yourself some grace along with some space, it can just be so vital. Yes. Grace and space. That's exactly grace right. Grace and space. <laughs> grace and space. Well, thank you so much for, for everything that you've shared, for your, your strategies, for navigating uh, some, some scary times, some fearful times. And and I really appreciate what you had, uh, what you had to offer the hurdlers today. Well, I just appreciate you and what you do and your podcast. I love the concept. I think it is amazing. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Please take a moment and leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode. We all face multiple hurdles in life. I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at emily at hurdle.us. Connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at hurdle podcast. How do we keep up with you, Akia? Give me the details. All right. Well, you can follow me on Instagram at Akia Red. Or um, you can go to my website, akiared.com and sign up, sign up for my newsletter. I promise I don't sell your information. Um, <laughs> all I do is just communicate on a weekly basis and talk to you about different thoughts that I'm having, different tips, mental health things that I'm thinking about. So yeah, Instagram and my newsletter. I dig it. I am over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Mm-hmm.